Good evening. Evening, morning. I feel like I lose track myself sometimes. It is evening here. It is, what are we at? 5.25 on a Friday uh, evening here in Australia. Uh, this is the, the odd week where I do it a little bit later. And, oh man, it just feels like it's been a mega, mega week here. There's just been so much stuff to do, on, like stuff I can't even get into. <laughs> Lots of stuff to do on the cyber, which we're going to talk about in, in a moment. Uh, a huge amount of stuff to do around the house as well. I think I've, I've mentioned before, we have leaks. Leaks everywhere. Not just leaks from the roof, leaks from the bathroom as well. So we're literally rebuilding a, uh, a, a fairly substantial portion of the house starting with the bathroom but i'll talk more about that as things progress and of course i will be connecting all of the things as uh, as we go through things and then what's today today's friday so we've had uh actually went out to a fundraiser for my daughter's school today good excuse to actually get dressed up and presentable so i just just tweeted a photo a couple of hours ago of charlotte and i uh, and as as someone let me let me say exactly what they said because I think it was a fair comment. Uh, punching above your weight there, <laughs> Troy, which, which I think is fair because uh, she does look spectacular and I am a very, very fortunate guy. So go and check that out on Twitter. Now, moving on, sponsors. So sponsor is safepass.me, which is good because I'm going to be talking about pine passwords today. So safepass.me. Long-time sponsor, uh, and again, one of those sponsors that I have actually managed to spend time with in person in London. I have happy memories, actually, of spending time with, uh, with the SafePastel ME folks at, uh, I remember it was at a PubCon in London, which is the, the after-party of NDC, which used to accompany those events, and I am sure will accompany them again sometime in the future. Credential stuffing is currently the biggest threat to organizations. Find out how you can protect your network right now with safepass.me. So these are the folks that take the pwned passwords downloadable corpus of hashes and then allow you to run it against your Active Directory. In fact, it was because of these folks that I started doing them in NTLM. And because of all that, it's then feeding into the other stuff that we're doing with the FBI now. And I'm going to talk about that as I progress through today's blog post. Look at the comments here, Michael Van Damme, Michelangelo rather Van Damme. Um, we're going to talk about Belgium and have I been pwned and also how my announcement got pwned by them, but we'll come back to that. Michelangelo knows what I'm talking about. Stephen Jones, didn't expect to be awake for another live stream. Uh, here we go. Uh, Eduardo in Italy. Awesome. I got to get, have my first trip to Italy just before the whole COVID thing hit. I got to go to... Uh, Bellagio uh, and then Milan in October 2019 so I'm glad I actually got to see Italy before I can't see anything other than Australia and like in fairness Australia is epic and I'll probably talk more about that in a moment as well Stephen says Tony water sensors for home assistant sorry to hear about the leaks I'll tell you what mate I don't need IOT to tell me stuff's leaking so here's one of the things I learned right now let me put this in context the, 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 we're in sort of a subtropical climate here. So we have 300 days of sunshine a year, which is as terrible as it sounds. But when it rains, like it rains proper. And what I mean by that is we'll have these sort of subtropical, uh, sort of, uh, subtropical uh, cyclones where, where they come down from the northern, more tropical areas and they just jump. <laughs> I've had like one beer. They dump shitloads of rain in one go. Uh, and it can sort of overwhelm gutters and things. There are various parts of the house that were leaking. Like this end was leaking 
and it would happen when it rains and then you know you'd see it in the ceiling and then that end was leaking and it would happen when it rains you see it in the ceiling so all right we'll just get people to keep fixing the leaks and then the middle bit started leaking and i was like well it's obviously the roof again trades guy comes out this is the builder uh, and i'm thinking he's going to come out and he's going to bring his silicon gun and he'll silicon some stuff up and everything will be fine by the time he left there was a significant six-figure estimate (laughs) in aussie dollars of the work that needed to be done because the leak in the middle doesn't come from the roof the leak in the middle comes from the bathroom and what i've since learned is that a bathroom, like imagine it's just like a square box, right? And someone goes and waterproofs the whole lot with like a membrane and then they stick tiles all over it. And then they put in a bath and showers and vanities and mirrors and all this sort of stuff. And if the membrane is cracked, which is what's happened to here, you literally have to, and the word they use is demolish. You have to demolish the bathroom, rip everything out, redo the entire membrane and then repair it again. And it's tens of thousands of dollars just to do that. And I was like, ah, this can't be right. So we go and speak to other tradies. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Like everyone we speak to, it's right. So anyway, that's my sad tale of woe. (laughs) We've got a lot of bathroom work to do. But it is presenting some opportunities to connect some more stuff. And as time goes by, I'll share more of that. So anyway, there's that. We've got folks in Ireland. G'day, William. Tony's in the UK. Um... Raj from India. Well, we are everywhere today. This is kind of cool, isn't it? That you can just like sit here on the other side of the world and then for free stream yourself in HD. Uh, that like that will always blow me away. Ben's in lockdown down in Melbourne. We are thinking about the folks in Melbourne. Uh, we are, and this is not to sound obnoxious and selfish about what life is like here, but people do often wonder because I'll, po- I'll post a photo. We went to this uh, fundraiser I mentioned today. There are about 250 people there. Uh, everyone, uh, interestingly enough, in the, the the same room that I have presented from before for Ozcert, this was at the Marriott on the Gold Coast, and it's it's just chock a block full of people, and there's no masks uh, because there's no COVID because everything is normal, and, and we're just so grateful to be able to to live like that now. And then we we came home, we took the photo, I did the tweet thing before, I'm like oh let's go out for a we normally go do like a four k loop walk, go out for a walk, have some beers, and. The pub is full of people and I had one beer. The pub is full of people and and again, like there's no masks and it's normal. You check in, so you have a little COVID app, check in so that you're there. But otherwise it's completely normal. But it just feels like this this tinderbox where the the outbreak in Melbourne could so quickly happen here. So I I am looking forward to getting my vaccination when I can. That's going to be a good thing. Uh, other, Other things that are happening here. Brendan, my dad's. My dad's in the burbs, and thus I can't go down for the weekend. So for folks overseas, Victoria, our southern state, they have had an outbreak. They had a long period of lockdown last year because there was an outbreak, uh, and then they have had an outbreak again just over the last couple of weeks. And Victorian government has said, you know, okay, for, for one week, you know, lockdown, can't go out unless it's essential sort of stuff, restrictions on, on travel within Australia. And it's not just Melbourne either, which is the capital city. It's all the regional areas where people like my mate Lars Clint live, in the middle of bloody nowhere, and either you can't go out or it's only for essential reasons, then you've got to wear a mask. And he's like, mate, there's just me and, and llamas. Like, why, <laughs> why do I have to do this? But fortunately for him, it, uh, it obviously impacts him less than if he was living in an apartment or something like that. <laughs> Stephen says, next week's update sponsored by a bathroom company. Gee, that would be nice, wouldn't it? I'd like to bring that bill down a bit. I don't think that's going to happen, though. Um... 
Hav Havad, I'm, I'm pronouncing it wrong, is in Stavanger, which I have also been to. My good mate Niall Merrigan lives in Stavanger. I was in Stavanger for New Year's Eve uh, 2019, going into 2020. So there you go. Michael says, uh, you both look great. Thanks, mate. It's, uh, it, it was a, an occasion where I got dressed up and I wasn't just in a black T-shirt. So I was like, all right, I should do something. Uh, all right, so look, moving on. I, I did mention it's winter here. Um, it ha- Oh, geez, it's just dropped down to 19 degrees Celsius. This is harsh. In my office, it's 26.4 <laughs> degrees, according to the non-IoT little thermometer that I leave sitting here just so I can see it at a glance. So the ravages of winter are now well and truly set in. I did have to put on a jumper today, which was a bit rough, but we shall survive. We shall soldier on. Now, other things. Let's, uh, let's get on to the cyber stuff. Pwned Passwords is heading towards 1 billion requests a month. And I put a little challenge out there the other day. I said, all right, who can guess the day, the day where I get 1 billion for the previous month worth of hits to the K&NMT API? Now, I have not checked it in the last couple of days. So let's see where we are at the moment. And this is all via Cloudflare, of course, because they cache 99 point something percent of the requests. I've got to go to the workers report. And if I look at uh, the last month of request, it's going to be 900 something million, 940.79 million. So we're not quite at the billion, but by my reckoning, we've got what, six or seven percent or something increase. And we'll hit that. Now, here's the cool bit of nine. Let's round it up. 941 million requests, four and a bit million were uncached. So I'm going to talk about the FBI stuff and some of the PRs we've been getting soon. And, and it's really, really good that people have been contributing a lot to the Azure functions. But it's also really, really good that we barely have to call that code. Because when you've only got four and a bit million requests out of almost a billion that are uncached, that is roughly a half of 1% of requests actually have to get served by their origin service. So I'm super happy about that. I don't know when I'll hit a billion. If, if I'm honest, I thought it would have been last month because of the way traffic was going. But then we sort of got to Easter and things slowed down a little bit. When I look at the the patterns at the moment, that uh, they very, very closely follow weekdays. So weekends are super, super quiet. Because inevitably, a lot of the services using this have traffic patterns where people use them during the week and then they get to the weekend and stuff slows down. But the quietest day that I've had in the last month was... Uh, 19 million requests in a day and the busiest day looks like it was it rounds to 39 million requests in a day and what's really cool about this is that I never even think about it like I could have a hundred million requests tomorrow and I wouldn't know about it until I check the charts because nothing has to scale up I don't suddenly get a bigger bill because there's more in I get a bigger bill because <laughs> there's going to be more hits to the origin service and with Azure functions, you pay per execution and per memory used over a period of time. But I don't have to actually think about it because you just it just like run the code and send me the bill, which is really, really cool. So I'm, I'm super happy about that. Uh, look at some of the other comments here. Um, been working at home since March 2020, St. Patrick's Day. Wow. Yeah, so, well, yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> the last... Well, actually, I did get to go to OzCert in person a couple of weeks ago. I mentioned that was that was very exciting. The first conference I've gone to in person since Microsoft Ignite in Sydney in February last year. So there's there's that. That has been a bit of a bit of a thing. 
Stefan says, I don't think winter means what you think it means. Yeah, it's like it gets cold. Like we, we literally will get down to, I think the coldest I saw last winter, first thing in the morning going for an early morning walk was like six Celsius, which was, which was dreadful, dreadful, dreadful. I will be in August going to the snow. Yeah, and yes, we do have snow in Australia. So I will actually be at the snowfields. I will be doing probably two of these weekly updates from there because we're going to have a little bit longer there this year. Uh, and it will be below freezing. Believe it. Stefan can believe it. <laughs> it will be below freezing when we get there. Um, Brendan says, Troy, give us a reminder of the Vic versus Queensland weather things last week. Um, yeah, it's cold there. It's warm here. <laughs> that's, that's about it. Okay, so moving on to other things. Now, let me talk about the FBI stuff and the PRs we're beginning to have been pwned. I will be honest, a week ago, I was very concerned, not that I would get too many PRs or anything like that, but I was, I was very concerned that uh, my code would be so shit that people would have problems with the PRs or that I get like a name stuff. I was also very concerned that I'd actually be able to manage the requests that are coming through. And, and to sort of put that in, in context, like I am accepting PRs from mostly people I've never met before. Stefan is, a, is an exception. He's, he is someone that we have had beers with in different parts of the world. Uh, and I appreciate everything you're putting, <laughs> putting through there, mate. And it's someone I know and trust. Uh, a, a couple of other kind of quasi-recognizable names and then a bunch of randos. And I do go through and I read every line of every piece of code that goes into the PRs. I have not deployed any of the things that I've accepted into production yet. Stefan's helping me with that build pipeline at the moment. But I am really, really uh, impressed, grateful, humbled by the amount of contributions people have made. Uh, they're open repos. You can go and have a look at them. Uh, GitHub.com forward slash have I been pwned. And you'll see the PRs. We've upgraded the .NET version. We've upgraded the uh, f um, Azure Functions version. We have upgraded a whole bunch of other things to be more efficient. In fact, some of the code Stefan submitted was, was even like, let, let's get rid of regexes for verifying um, uh, that a hash prefix conforms to valid hexadecimal characters because it's less efficient than this other thing, which is going to be great for the half of 1% of requests that, that actually hit the origin. But it was easy stuff to do. There is a proper test project now that there wasn't before. Um, there is good documentation now that wasn't there before, just uh, uh, intrinsic documentation within code that wasn't there. And it's pretty self-explanatory code anyway, but this is just good. And you, like, you, you got to remember, particularly for pwned passwords, like I was out of corporate world where I was not even meant to be writing software because I was an architect, whatever that is. Uh, so I have not been in an environment where I've had to write code with other people for quite some time and things have moved on. Uh, and I, I think that maybe now just because I'm, I'm going to say old, older, maybe I'm just more comfortable acknowledging there's a bunch of stuff that I just don't do as well anymore. And there are people that can do it better than me. So I really appreciate people submitting that code. There is a fairly sizable PR with the code that we actually want to write for the FBI ingestion pipeline. And I need to go through and think about that very carefully. And I'll give you a good example of the, the sort of things that I hadn't really thought about before. Item potency. So imagine the, the Fed send through a request which has uh, SHA-1 NTLM pairs with a prevalence count next to it. So you know, there's been a new password seen. Here's the SHA-1, here's the NTLM, here's how many times they saw it in that particular incident. Now that comes through with a bunch of other things. We reckon we can batch about 10,000 in each HTTP query or HTTP request. Now they come through. 
something fails, what happens if they try and resubmit it? Are we artificially inflating the prevalence count? Or do we submit some sort of a key and then we transactionalize the whole thing and either the whole thing goes through successfully or it doesn't? Uh, but then the concern I have is that you're dependent on the client who we trust. The feds seem trustworthy. They're all very nice. <laughs> if you can't trust them, who can you trust? Um, we're still dependent on the client. And it's not necessarily just a trustworthy thing, but they write some screwy code or something like that. Uh, and they, then they generate a new key and then they've submitted the same hash twice and that, that artificially inflates the count. And at the moment, all right, it's clunky, but I've got a, a fairly high degree of confidence in the integrity of the data that's in phone passwords. So once we start to go down this path, how do we make sure that the ingestion pipeline works and we can get lots of stuff coming through, but that it's also resilient to transient outages and things like this? So there are aspects of this that I didn't necessarily think about before. Uh, I think I need to have some more logging. I think some of the feedback I'm going to give to the people submitting code is that I'd like to see some more logging so that we know, for example, it was the Fed submitting uh, a, a particular request with a bunch of passwords, only so that once it's not just the FBI, and let's say it's, let's say for argument's sake, it's the ACSC here in Australia, the Australian Cybersecurity Centre, uh, and then other parties of similar natures in different parts of the world, and we're getting a whole bunch of requests coming through, and I have to troubleshoot something. Like having that information, I think, could be really valuable. But of course, of course, of course, preserving privacy and anonymity and all the rest of it. So we are working through that. It is something that is going faster than what I'd hoped, which is super, super awesome. Uh, and again, I just, just want to thank everyone who has contributed because that's been an absolutely awesome effort. All right, looking at the other comments here, uh, <laughs> Brendan says, I've gotten the bloody negatives down here. Dang, <laughs> heater in the lounge doesn't even warm up the whole house. One of the things that I'm becoming much more aware of with Australia and cold with uh, Charlotte living here, and, and keep in mind, like, she's been living here since Feb last year. So we have been through a cycle of winter but she is constantly cold in the house. And I'm like, you're Norwegian, hey, cold here. It's like, it's winter and it's 19 degrees. But what it is, is that the houses, of course, in colder climates, and that includes parts of regional Australia, but particularly for those of you in, in the Nordics, the houses are built to withstand the cold. They are built with double glazed windows. They're built with underfloor heating in the bathrooms. Uh, they're built with no gaps between the front door and the floor because that's where the cold comes in. And it's very different here in a subtropical climate that's, that's constantly over 30 degrees in, uh, in summer and usually the months either side of it as well. So we're just sort of realizing all of these things now where it's like, well, this, actually the houses here are kind of shit in the way they're designed in terms of uh, energy efficiency. So they're going to be some of the things that, that we try and work on as well. Uh, okay, so what else is happening here? Governments, governments. Now I'm going to talk about a couple of governments. They're the last things I have on my list. I, I might talk about some IoT stuff as well. So if you have any questions about anything, then drop them into the chat now. Governments, two more governments on board this week. My intention was to onboard one government a week, which was going to be the Dominican Republic this week. So the first Latin America government to be on board. I'm, I'm told Latin America is the correct word as opposed to South America, which probably demonstrates that this is a continent that I have not been to before. 
and I hope to be able to go there one day. But Dominican Republic is now on board. Their government has free and unfettered access to API-based domain searches, just like the, I think it would have been the 16 governments before then, which is cool. And also Belgium has access to the same sorts of things now. Now, Belgium did... uh, did share the link a bit before I knew they would. So the the way this normally works is a government reaches out because they've seen a tweet or they've seen the other ones and they say, hey, this looks really cool. Can we get access to the same data as, let's say, the Australians and the UK uh, and the folks in Iceland and Norway (laughs) and Sweden? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, cool. So here's how it works. Like I just wrote a blog post. You just tell me what domains uh, or TLDs in many cases you would like to access. I publish the blog post so that there's transparency and people don't go, oh, you're doing government backdoors, etc. And then I give you access and it's all good. And what I normally do is I draft up the blog post. Uh, most of it is going to Wikipedia and finding the flag and downloading it as an SVG and going into Illustrator and exporting it as a PNG and putting it on the blog post. Then I do like two paragraphs. I try to make them a little bit different for each one. And then they review it and they say, uh, no, it's not South America, it's Latin America or, or something like that. And when everyone's happy, I publish it. And I, I literally, this is the reason I have this ACSC book here. I've just been, phys- it's one of the few things I physically write down, just trying to keep track of which govs are going in which order, because there is overhead on me. Um, they all get access for free, so there's no return on this. I do have to try and pace it a little bit so I can do other things with my life. So I've been trying to push them out on a Monday. And then yesterday morning, I think actually I saw your tweet, Michelangelo, about Belgium. And because it was like 6 a.m. and I'd barely had any coffee, I'm like, oh, cool. People are sharing Belgium, retweet. And I'm like, hang on a moment. (laughs) They're further down in the little book. They're not meant to be there until next week. And then I'm like, shit, how did it happen? Because what happens is when you go into Ghost and you write a blog post in Ghost, there is like a draft URL, which is a good so globally unique identifier, no one else should have this ID. I send this to the government involved. It's like, would you like to approve this? And then I publish it and it will have a, a, a nice semantic URL, you know, welcoming the Belgian government to have a bin pwned. And I realized that people were sharing the one with the GUID. And I'm like, how, how did that happen? Like, did I accidentally tweet the GUID? Uh, anyway, I worked out <laughs> eventually it was it was folks within the Belgian government who had tweeted this link. That's totally fine. I don't mind. It was more just about you know how do I make sure I give them access before I start talking about it. So uh, they were obviously excited to get the thing live, and we just went, oh, all right, fine, we'll just go live on Friday, and I'll do a different government this coming Monday. There is another government to go live this coming Monday. Uh, and it's nice that they're excited about it. That's cool. Okay, looking at some of the other tweets here. Uh, first time watching from Jamie. G'day, Jamie. Uh, a comment here about IoT. Peter says, my four-year-old house in Canberra, minus six a couple of nights already. So Canberra, uh, Canberra is... <laughs> I'll be nice. Canberra is Australia's capital city. It's a couple of hours... In fact, it's about three hours' drive from Sydney, two hours' drive from the snowfields. I have to go through Canberra in order to get to the snow um, in New South Wales. And it does get bloody cold there. Like you do occasionally get snow in Canberra. It does get down to freezing as well. Um, but, but again, this is what's sort of so fascinating about it. Then in summer, there can be some super, super hot, you know, 30 degree, even 40 degree days. 
So Australia is just such a big place with so much diversity that that's what we get. Now, other adventures in IoT land at the moment as well. What have I been doing? The, the lights above me here, I actually changed the brand. It was very exciting. So I, <laughs> I put some of the Arlec ones. Uh, no, what were they? Who made those ones? No, they're the ones I got from Oz Smart Things. And then I changed the other. Oh, that doesn't even matter. Trying to get consistency of lights. Because one of the things I've found is on our daughter's balcony, I had one brand of LED and then everywhere else in the front of the house, I put a different brand. And then I set them all exactly the same RGB color. And we were outside the other day. And, and I've got like a party motor. Everything just goes pink and blue. That's a bit of fun. But most of the time, it's just like a warm, uh, warm yellow kind of light. But Charlotte was saying, like, why does, why does that pink look different to that pink? I'm like, well, it's, it's exactly the same RGB value, but they're different globes, and there's a slightly different interpretation. So one of the things I've learned is, is for any one visible place, you have to make sure that you have the same brand globes, otherwise you get variances. So the ones in here are slightly different to the ones out the front of the house, but you never see the two together, so it doesn't matter. So this has been part of the, the journey. So I've had to learn that. Uh, Leo says, do you make any profit from Have I Been Pwned? Yes. So there are donations for Have I Been Pwned, which people know about. If I'm honest, I am surprised that people actually donate anything. But many, many years ago, someone was like, oh, you should put a donation page there. Uh, and people will give you money for free. I was like, well, money for free sounds kind of good. Uh, and of course, it's entirely discretionary. It's, uh, people can donate if they like. And I was like, hey, I like coffee, buy me a coffee. Or I like beer, buy me a beer. Uh, so there have been donations from there. One of the things that uh, surprised me is people wanted to donate cryptocurrency as well. So I set up a, a, a wallet and people can donate that. People know what has happened to the price of Bitcoin recently. That has worked out quite fortuitously well actually it was really fortuitous and now it's back here because elon musk and china and to, to be honest for, i don't think i've cashed in any crypto for several years and i just leave it sitting there in a wallet because even my accountants at kpmg are like we're not quite sure how to deal with this because do you pay tax on that and if so at what rate or do we just treat it as an asset and wait to cash anyway so there's that. There's one password sponsorship uh, product placement, which I launched many years ago. They do pay for that. There are enterprise services, which I've written about before, which I don't advertise, but there are some uh, infosec companies and some identity theft companies, etc. Uh, and they pay some money for that. But the, I, I think for me, like the overarching theme with Have I Been Pwned has always got to be uh, community first, no sales pitches. Oh, there's the API key as well. So people do pay for the API key. That's the $3.50 a month thing, which was primarily designed to keep the bad folks out. But yes, it does pay some money too. Uh, but look, it's meant to be community first and that's that's the way it's going to stick. And this is why I try to do as much stuff like the governments and poem passwords and everything and open source things because that's the, that's the intention of the project. Yeah, good question. Um, Stefan's got to go. Oh, sorry, mate. <laughs> Can Strata Strong says, can you see your house from space yet? You can't. I'm not sure. But what I do know is uh, we live on the water here and we live on man-made canals. So we have more. There's a fun Gold Coast fact. We have more canals on the Gold Coast than Venice and Amsterdam combined. So there's, I think I figured there must be at least 10,000 houses on the, the canals. 
Uh, and we're very good friends with neighbours over the other side. And, and it is kind of fun to be able to go to the neighbours on the other side of the water, pull out my phone, and because I've got so many bloody access points, I can actually still get Wi-Fi from over there as well. Wi-Fi from here over there. And then I can go, like, hold my beer, and I push the button, and the house just suddenly goes disco mode, uh, which is kind of fun. So I don't know about space, but definitely from the other side of the canal. Brendan says, unrelated, been watching this from my phone, full screen. Dad just texted me what appears to be three photos. Uh, notification on my phone just said my dad name and photo 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 okay you're right that is unrelated <laughs> Michelangelo feels guilty I don't know if that was about sharing the, the Belgium thing but no that was that was uh, that was totally totally innocent so that is fine so look other things coming up my honestly like my life is just a never ending juggling act of uh, doing things that I've committed to I did uh can I talk about this one? Yeah, I think I'll talk about this one. I, I did a, a talk this week for uh, IT. In fact, I can talk about it because IT Web in South Africa. So I still get to do commercial events from home, which is really, really nice not to have to go anywhere and be able to sit here and, and do the events and, and actually still earn a living. So um, uh, I've got events and things that I've committed to. I've got others coming up. A bunch of them are on my blog, the ones that are, that are public and I can talk about. There's still workshops that are going on. Uh, there's obviously actually wanting to write blog posts. The book is still going. So Charlotte and I had a, another regular catch up with Rob Connery just this morning about this book. It is still progressing. I've had to try and find, what's the right way to put this? The right sort of tone, particularly for the more personal things that have happened in my life over more recent years. Uh, and I, I feel like I'm on top of that now. So now it's just a matter of carving out time to just sort of smash out the remaining content. But we are getting close, so there is progress. We also talked with Rob about other uh, other sort of supporting things that we want to do, whether it's content we publish or some, some media stuff we want to do as well. So we will try and focus on that. It is progressing. But then the more time that goes by, this morning I was like, now that we've done that FBI stuff, like I really feel that that's actually really significant and that needs to be in there somewhere. So that might just go in there as a... a not an addendum, but you know, closing paragraphs or something like that. So as that piece, because I get distracted by shiny things all the time, I've been doing a bunch of 3D printing. My, uh, my son had a school camp to Canberra, actually, last week. And he came back uh, unwell, as did many boys, just cold, that sort of stuff. Um, he got a cold. He probably was also cold because of Canberra. So he had a few days off this week and... Uh, I did something which I thought was really cool. I said, all right, mate, you, you're, you're at home. You're not too sick, but he had to get a COVID test because he had a cough. You've got to wait for the result of the COVID test, all this sort of stuff. You're going to learn Fusion 360. Uh, and you're going to learn it the same way I learned it, which is there's a YouTube tutorial from someone from Autodesk, the makers of, YouTube, of, uh, of um, Fusion 360, and you are going to watch this and you are going to design and build the thing that they're building. So this tutorial is, is fantastic. There's about three parts, about 20 minutes each, hour of your time. You play that on the monitor here, and then on the monitor over there, you're going to build this piece. And it was like a, it was almost like a little conduit box where you could put cables and stuff with the, with the lid. And you had to design the whole thing, learn about how to create like fillets and extrusions and push and pull stuff and all that sort of thing. And then we 3D printed it. Uh, and when I took him back to school on, uh, on yesterday, on yesterday, got to go and see his teacher and go hey like look what we designed and built this is really really cool so uh still doing 3d printing 
uh, and of course still continually mucking around with IoT. We had to get, <laughs> because everything in this house is breaking, we had to get a new zip hot water heater. So you see these in a lot of offices and, and things where you've got like uh, icy cold water, boiling hot water, and we got one with the um, sparkling water as well. And then I was looking at the control panel of it because I want to disable like the child lock on the boiling water because my kids are old enough not to scold themselves. And I was like, holy shit, it's got Wi-Fi. It's got Wi-Fi. Like, I don't know what it does, but yeah, let's just connect it. I haven't finished that process yet because like most IoT things, it's completely unintuitive. But uh, yeah, hopefully my uh, my boiling hot water heater thingy will then be on the Wi-Fi. And I've got no idea what it will do, but I'll find out and I'll share those soon. Uh, Peter says it's also slightly bigger than Amsterdam and Venice when we're talking about the Gold Coast. I, I wonder if it is. I wonder if it is. So we've got 600,000 people here, which from memory, I think Amsterdam's got about 400,000. I'm not sure about Venice. Uh, but geographically, you, you, it is much, much more dense. I've not been to Venice, but uh, Amsterdam, I did live in the Netherlands for two years, so I spent a lot of time in Amsterdam. But that is definitely, definitely, definitely much more condensed uh, there. But yeah, they're, they're just very different canals. Not many jet skis in, in Amsterdam. Uh, what else is coming along here? Um, Leo, do you know if you'll provide more information about how you came to obtain the domain CoinHive? Honestly, all the information I have about CoinHive is someone gave it to me. <laughs> someone who, I'm trying to remember now, they, they said that they were the original party that registered it, I think, and then they provided it to CoinHive, the company. Let's have a look at my CoinHive stats, actually. That'll be fun. Uh, and then when CoinHive, the company, folded or stopped trading or whatever the right word is, they're like, hey, Troy, would you like this thing? And, and honestly, that is that is my entire recollection of it. And the only other thing that I could tell you about that is the name and the email address of the person, which I'm not going to do just simply because I don't know if they want me to share that. If you're listening and you want me to share that, let me know and I'll share it. Uh, CoinHive domain. So keeping in mind that CoinHive... CoinHive is one of these cases where we really actually want the traffic to go down to nothing. Like this is the plan. Um, doesn't really appear to change very much in the last month. It is still doing somewhere between six and 800,000 requests a day. Holy crap. That's a lot of requests. Why is that so many requests? Wow. Okay. So what I've been doing, and I actually have a little recurring thing in my calendar for this, is... Uh, every month on the same day, I'm going to tweet a number, uh, not just a number, but a, a screen cap of the graph of the traffic hopefully declining. So this number will make more sense when we see it in the context of where it was before. Speaking of shiny things, look at the shine of your nose. Oh, jeez. Is it? Should I have powdered more before I started? Note to self. Uh... Brandon, I learned Fusion 360 in class last term. Ended up designing a mini model of some HP computer tower. So Fusion 360 is what I use to design that little bracket that goes around my air conditioning unit that holds the switch bot with the little switch that, or the little arm that comes down and literally turns my air conditioning on and off. So I've spent enough time to figure out how to do that and enough time to figure out that I really don't know what I'm doing with it, but it's super, super, super powerful. And it there is something... I just I still get overwhelmed by technology or in awe of technology and there's something amazingly cool to be able to pull out like a set of vernier calipers measure shit put it into software in the computer just here and design it and then go back there and print it and it becomes a real world thing I just think that's absolutely magical and it's such a cool 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 industry to be in uh 
compared to the start and says, so you weren't really sick at all, teacher. This is, I assume, about Ari not being at school. So one of the things that I learned here, and I assume it's probably similar in many other parts of the world, is that uh, if you have a child that shows any symptoms that could be COVID, you have to get a COVID test. Now, I learned this the hard way because, must have been about three months ago, he had a cough one day that he couldn't shake. Now, keeping in mind, again, like we just simply do not have cases of community transmission of COVID in this state other than one tiny little outbreak this year that went for about a week and was under control. It was outside that context. But I called up the school and I said, you know, I'm going to keep him home today. He's got a cough. Oh, man, that was a bad idea. Well, look, it's not because it's the right thing to do. But next minute, call from the school going, well, because he has a cough, you have to go and get a COVID test. I'm like, oh, shit, he's going to love this. Now, fortunately, here, and again, I assume it's like this many places, it is very, very easy to get a test. In fact, there's a a place about 10 minutes from here. You can literally drive into the car park, not even get out of your car. Lady comes out, sticks a thing up your nose, takes some details. You're out of there in about three minutes flat. But then you cannot go back to school until you get the result back and the result is negative. So he had a little bit of a cough on day one. Day two is 100%, no problems. Sorry, mate, you can't go back to school. So this is just the way it is now. But what it means is he can be perfectly fit and healthy. So it was Monday morning that he had the uh, the, the cough. Uh, Tuesday, he was feeling really good. So we just went and played tennis. <laughs> we spent an hour and a half. Uh, in fact, he had an hour and a half um, private coaching lesson. And then we played tennis for another half hour after that because he was, he was well. But also, when you're 11 years old and you miss a few days of school, it actually doesn't matter. <laughs> nothing, nothing bad. It, like it doesn't ruin your career prospects. It really just doesn't matter. Ben, do you have a full-time job or is have been paying a full-time job? What's a job? <laughs> so I, the last thing I would, I had, which I would refer to as a job would have been working for Pfizer. Uh, of course, everyone knows Pfizer now, but back in the day I had to say, you know, Viagra? Yeah, we make Viagra. I left there. It's even better than me leaving there. They asked me to leave there. <laughs> I've got a redundancy in 2015, in April 2015. So I've been six years without a traditional job. But there are other things I do that, that earn money. In fact, I wrote about all this publicly. In fact, I wrote a blog post called uh, How I Optimized My Life to Make My Job Redundant. And a lot of that was about how I was doing a lot of plural site before I got the FIRES redundancy. So by the time I left Pfizer, I was earning twice as much money writing Pluralsight courses as I was going to my job uh, and working my ass off. And of course, since then, there's uh, workshops I do and speaking conferences and things, there's blog sponsorship, I'm on 1Password's board, I'm a strategic advisor for Nord, like there's lots of other things that I do uh, that that earn money. Uh, I wrote another blog blog post for everything, wrote another blog post about financial tips for technology professionals. Uh, in fact, I wrote that, I'm pretty sure, New Year's Eve in 2018, so two and a bit years ago, uh, about how I've made things make sense for me. Uh, and a lot of it is about diversification and doing many, many different things. Uh, and there's there's a, a lot of time and effort that I had to go in before I got to that point, don't get me wrong. But uh, if you're interested in, in how on earth I get to live here on the beach and, and do what I do, then a lot of it's in there. 
Stratus, you should have went for a tummy bug instead. No need for COVID test. So, well, there's what my daughter, <laughs> my daughter had, and I'm not sure how much of that is because she saw her brother at home, but um, she got up when was it Wednesday, saying her her stomach was was not good, and I was like, well, at least that's not a COVID <laughs> symptom. But uh, anyway, it turns out she was constipated, and she was fine the next day. So, yeah, pro tip. But I, like, I don't want to joke about it too much either because we're all kind of in this together and, and we really genuinely want people who have symptoms that could possibly be COVID to go and get tested. Uh, and I, I won't go into the details here, but there was something that happened with the school as a result of him not being there whilst we were waiting on a COVID test, which um, let's just say didn't work out in their favour. <laughs> because of the fact that that I wasn't going to take him back to school until he had a negative result. And it's this is an exceptional time for everyone. It's an exceptional time, even for me, although it's exceptionally good in many ways, just being able to stay home and not go anywhere. But uh, I think it's just one of these things we're all going to do a bit. And the, and the last bit on that, with the Victoria thing, uh, I, I saw a piece on the news the other day where because there's been an outbreak, there's so many people getting tested, not just in Victoria, but in, in this particular piece, this was someone in, in the south coast of New South Wales as well. And there was a lady, she must have been in her 60s, so probably a higher risk demographic than most of us. And she was being interviewed and she was like, I I had been putting off having the test just to kind of see how everything goes. I really regret that. Oh, sorry, the, the, the vaccine. I really regret that now. I wish I had had the vaccine because now she's worried that you know she might have had the, the virus. So I think everyone doing their bit and getting vaccinated as fast as possible is is a really good thing. For, for us in Australia, um, the expectation our government has set is that because of how slow the rollout of the vaccine is, largely because of how few cases of COVID we have, we don't expect to be able to have international travel resume until the second half of next year. So we're a year away from you guys being able to come here, most of you guys, uh, or us, including Charlotte, who has all her family in Norway, being able to go anywhere overseas. So, you know, we need to get the show on the road and, and get ourselves vaxxed. Okay, so look, that's uh, that's pretty much it for today. Uh, I'd like to thank everyone for joining. Next week I'll do this again. I will do this earlier in the day, which will be 10-ish hours earlier than this. Uh, so thank you very much for watching. I'll wrap all this up into a blog post, put a bunch of links for the things I've spoken about, and I'll push it out probably tomorrow morning because it is the end of my day now, and uh, I think it's time to go and chill out and look at how many leaks I've still got in the house. Thanks for watching. Thank <laughs> you.